Hello, I'm Pastor Daniel Flukey. Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Christ the King and Living Hope Lutheran Churches. We are congregations of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Port Washington and Saukville, Wisconsin. We believe God's love is for you. Here's our message for this week. To Abram, and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestors of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offsprings after you. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her, and I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of people shall come from her. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The next reading is from Romans chapter 4, verses 13 through 25. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the laws who are to be the heirs, Faith is null, and the promise is void, for the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the abhorrence, abhorrence of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God in whom he believed, who who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist, hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said. So numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words it was reckoned to him were written not for his sake, 
but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believed in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and raised for our justification. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So during this season of Lent, one of the common threads running through our scripture readings is this idea of covenant. And I spent last weekend in the Dells with some of our youth at the Quake Conference, and we'll see a little video clip of that later in the service. So I obviously was not here last week for the first Sunday in Lent, but I did listen to the sermon podcast when I got back, and Pastor Jacobs last week talked a bit about a covenant in his sermon, which I appreciated since we're talking about covenants. And the first lesson last week, some of you were here, was the story, the end of the Noah's Ark story. So the floodwaters dry up. Once all the animals and the people are out of the ark, Noah listens to God. Noah, God says to Noah and his sons, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living thing. And the covenant, the promise, of course, is this. Never again will there be a flood to destroy all the earth. And the rainbow will be a sign of that covenant. So covenant is one of those church words that just gets kind of thrown around sometimes. But basically, covenant just means an agreement. It means a promise. It's a commitment that God makes. And this week, this week's reading, we hear about another covenant. And this one, another promise, this one is a bit more specific. It's not with all of creation. It narrows the focus. It's between God and this guy named Abram. Later he'll be Abraham, right? And God promises Abram that he is going to have many children. Father Abraham had many sons, right? Remember that song, Sunday School? He'll become the ancestor of many nations. Now, the reading we have today is not the first time that Abram has heard this promise from God. Way back in chapter 12, several chapters earlier, God had promised Abram that he would be the father of a great nation. And then that promise was repeated, chapters 12, again in chapter 13, again in chapter 15. And the thing is, it just isn't happening. This is over a period of decades that this promise has been repeated. But it's not working, because Abram and his wife Sarai are not having any kids. And in order, logically, math, to have numerous descendants, to have a great nation, you got to start with at least one kid, Right? So Sarai, having heard this promise, thinks that maybe her husband misunderstood God's promise, or she thinks maybe God needs a little bit of help to keep the promise. And Abram agrees with her, and so chapter 16, Abram has a child with Sarai's maid, Hagar, as you might remember from the story, or you can guess, it does not go well. And by the way, this is one of my favorite weeks of confirmation class when we talk about this story. Because kids sometimes come to confirmation with this idea, I don't know where they get it, but this idea that the Bible is a nice, clean book about good people doing nice things. If you read the Bible, the Bible is a messy book about real people living messy lives, and Abram, Sarai, and Hagar are a fantastic example of the messiness of really real life and biblical families. So Abram has a son with his wife's maid, Hagar. And the son is named Ishmael. He does become the father of a great nation. 
But it turns out he is not the promised child that God was talking about. And then in our reading from Genesis 17, God reaffirms the covenant. This is after all that stuff with Hagar and Ishmael. But by this time, as we just read, Abram is 99 years old, Sarai is 90, and basic biology says this is not going to happen. And here's where we get to another example. Here's where we get to an example of another church word that we often throw around a lot without really defining it, which is faith, which is the other theme, the thread running through today's scripture readings. So what is faith? Basically, faith means trusting God. Faith means trusting God. In fact, nearly any time you see that word faith, you can replace it with trust. But in today's readings, we're going to get a little more specific about what faith is, what it means, what it looks like. So in Romans 4, and we read that whole reading because in that reading, Paul uses Abraham as an example of faith. The whole thing is really a sermon about Abraham. So listen again to what he writes in verses 18 to 21. Paul, centuries later, looking at Abraham, writes, Abraham did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No, prom- no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So what is faith? Faith. What is faith? Faith is trusting God means what God says. It's being fully convinced God is able to do what God has promised, even when it seems hopeless, even when it seems against all evidence. So that's Paul's example for those early Christians in Rome of what faith looks like. Now, I actually have some issues with Paul here. In particular, that line, no distrust made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God. That is what should have happened. But Paul is glossing over a lot of Abraham's story. If you listen to that reading, if you listen to Abraham's story, yes, Abraham listens to God. Abraham follows where God leads him. But on the way, he passes his wife off as his sister, not once but twice, because he's not convinced God's going to protect him. He takes things into his own hands. This is the guy who tries to take things into his own hands by sleeping with his wife's maid because he doesn't quite believe what God said. And Abraham doubts enough that God needs to not just give him the covenant, but then remind him of that covenant three times. So Paul is being pretty generous in using Abraham as an example of strong faith, which I think is pretty encouraging for us, right? Because if Abraham, who made these huge mistakes can be held up as an example of faith, then we've got a chance too. But the point is that faith means trusting God. It means believing God's promises are true, sometimes despite the evidence. And when you look around at the world, faith can be hard because there's a lot of evidence against God's promises. For Abraham, it was those many, many years waiting for the promise to be fulfilled and having nothing to show for it. Or historically, for God's people, the stories in Genesis that we just read, these were likely written down centuries later during a time when Israel, God's chosen people, were in exile. 
Their military is defeated, their nation is destroyed, and they write down these stories to remind themselves to trust in God's promises. They write down these stories for encouragement, to hold on to that faith, even in this hard time of exile, even when God's promises seem impossible. And of course, today we're no different, right? We're faced with all kinds of evidence that the world is broken. It's easy to believe in the reality of sin when we hear about new fighting in Ukraine, people suffering in Gaza, flooding, mudslides in California, more and more that we could list. It's easy to trust in the reality of death on a day when many of us will be back here this afternoon for a funeral. It is harder, much harder, to trust that God has defeated sin, to trust that God has overcome death, to have faith that God is the giver of life working to reconcile the world. The good news The good news of faith is that this trust, this faith, is not something that we get on our own. This isn't our own effort. Instead, we believe faith is a gift from God. Paul says in verse 22, Abraham's faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Not only did Abraham not do anything to earn God's promise, his very ability to believe and respond to that promise is only possible Because the Holy Spirit gives him faith, God reckons it to him as righteousness. In Martin Luther's explanation of the third article of the Apostles' Creed, going back again to confirmation class for those who did that as kids, he writes, We cannot believe in Jesus Christ as Lord or come to him by our own understanding or strength. We cannot believe in God on our own. But... The Holy Spirit calls, enlightens, and keeps us in faith. Faith is not something that we do or that we earn. It's something we receive from God, a gift from the Holy Spirit. Another way of thinking about faith is that faith means relying on God. In the gospel reading from Mark, Jesus says, If any wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I read that phrase, denying our, deny themselves, and denying ourselves sounds a little like giving up something for Lent, right? Denying ourselves, choosing to go without whatever it is, chocolate or TV, or maybe denying yourself a new car or whatever. And that's true, that is denying ourselves. But what Jesus is talking about here is far more significant than that. Denying yourself to follow Jesus means renouncing your claim on your life. It's about relying on God for life rather than on anything that you own or anything that you have accomplished. It's giving up control. Perhaps more accurately, relying on yourself, denying yourself, means recognizing the reality that you already depend on God for life. God is the sustainer of life, not only eternally, but here and now in this world. Life itself is a miraculous gift from God. Back in Romans, in verse 14, Paul makes that point as well. If we could rely on ourselves for life, he writes, if we could do enough good works to earn God's salvation or live on our own without God, if our ability to follow the law was what made the difference, well, then we wouldn't need faith. Faith would be null. God's promises wouldn't matter. But we know that is not the reality. 
We cannot rely on ourselves. We can't do enough. And so Paul continues in verse 16, it all depends on faith. And the promise of God rests on grace. God's promise is a gift not only to Abraham, but to all of his descendants, including us, you and me. All we can do is rely on God's grace. God's covenant depends on God's faithfulness, not on Abraham's, which is really good news. So faith is trusting God's promises. Faith is a gift from God. And faith is reliance on God. And finally, faith changes things. It makes a difference. Because living in faith, living as if these promises are true, makes a difference. Faith gives us the strength to make it through the times in life when God's promises are hard to see. The first verse of Hebrews 11 defines faith as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith opens our eyes to God. It allows us to realize there is more to this life than what we can see. Sin turns us inward to worry about ourselves, but faith turns us outward, setting us free to love others, to care for our neighbors. And as we continue in this season of Lent, I invite you this week to reflect on faith, to reflect on receiving God's promise. Give thanks to God for that gift of faith. Live as if you believe God's promises are true, because they are. Allow the Holy Spirit to do that work in you, to change you, to help you recognize and accept that you are not in control, and that is okay because God is faithful. And may the peace of Christ, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Living Hope and Christ the King, to ask for prayer, or to make a donation to support the work we are doing in Ozaki County, you can visit our websites at livinghopesockville.org or ctkport.org, or click the link in the show notes to find us online or on social media. May God bless you, and we hope you'll join us again soon.